Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I think sometimes we miss the title uh, of the sermons. It says the wrong kind of people, which sort of sets the theme uh, of this morning. But the question is, when was the last time you were invited to a party? I expect we can all remember the times when we perhaps would have liked to have gone to a party, perhaps to a family wedding. And um, those running the event might have thought, perhaps they're the wrong type of people. Or perhaps the cost of inviting everybody was just far too much. And then having been invited to that party, have you ever looked around and thought, hmm, I didn't expect to see that person there, or I did expect to see that person there. And you ever looked around to see whether there was any dubious people there? Had anybody gate crashed that you didn't think was supposed to be there? And I guess I've been to a few interesting parties in my time, in my youth. Anyway, and um, I face the challenge now of my own teenagers wanting to go to the parties of their own. And um, based on my own experiences of parties at that age, it, it, it throws up a few worries for me. Not that I got up to too much, obviously. <laughs> but uh, just to share, as we do on these occasions, um, I didn't become a Christian until I was about 20. And, um, but I knew something of God at that time. Not a lot. I'd only been to Sunday school for a, for a couple of years in my youth. Since I think it was about five to seven, I'd gone to Sunday school. But God had planted something in my heart. So in my teenage years, I couldn't really fully abandon myself to wild living and wild parties as much as I'd wanted to. (laughs) Because something something inside me always stopped me going too far, I guess. God had planted his love in my heart. And I was somewhere in no man's land because I couldn't fully let go. And I guess I lived my teenage years as that prodigal son, the son that wanted to to live his life his way, and I wanted to live my life my way. I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do. And I guess it took me a while to realise what was really important in life, to realise that God's love for me was waiting for me when I came to my senses, his love and his forgiveness. And coming back to my teenagers, my wife is a little bit more protective than I. She wants to know where my son is going, what party it is, who's going to be there, what time he will return home. Will there be anybody of dubious character there? What type of people are they? All legitimate concerns. And um, I think uh, Denise reminded us last week we want to wrap our children in cotton wool. But sometimes we have to let go. And I'm probably at the other end of the scale and far too relaxed. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> no heckling from the crowd, you know. And that's not to say that we shouldn't use really good judgment and be wise what we let our children get up to. But sometimes we do have to let go and let them find out for themselves. So we come to Luke chapter 15. And you might say, what has this chapter got to do with parties? It's 
Some call this chapter the lost chapter, for there are three parables in this uh, chapter 15 of Luke, and they all focus on the lost being found. You have the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. But if you read on, when they're found, everybody comes to celebrate. They throw a party in heaven as well as on earth. And which is why I think it should be called the party chapter of the, um, of the Bible. So that's been my focus this morning, partying. Anyway, so, um, the first few chapter of, the first few verses of, uh, chapter 15 in the message read, by this time there are a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners, eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And you read who Jesus spent his time with. Many of his meals were with the wrong type of person. Many of his conversations were with the wrong type of people. Sinners, tax collectors, those that society had shunned. People that had got things wrong, had been misguided, but perhaps were willing to change. And Jesus shares an analogy of his own banquet in Matthew 22. And it appears the wrong or the right kind of people turn him down, turn the invitation down to his party. God's kingdom, he said, was like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call the invited guests, but they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the the guests, look, everything is on the table, the prime rib is ready for carving, come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off, one to weed his garden, another to work in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, beat up the messengers and killed them. The king was outraged, sent his soldiers to destroy those thugs and level their city. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet all prepared but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Go out into the busiest intersections in town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone they laid their eyes on. Good and bad, regardless. And so the banquet was on and every place was filled. I guess in God's economy of love, he doesn't see people as the wrong type of people. Jesus laid down his life for everyone, wanting none to be lost. But I guess he sees people that take a long time to realise what's on offer from God. God is always there with his arms open wide, wanting to love us, wanting to invite us back as old friends, whatever place we start from. So we have the two parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin in Luke chapter 15.
Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found the lost sheep. I tell you that the same, I tell you that in the same way there are more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her neighbours together and says, Rejoice, or in other words, have a party with me. I have found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And you could argue that the banquet, the party is reserved for heaven. But it's not. God's kingdom starts here. It starts today. When those that we have prayed for become Christians. When those of our friends become baptised and share their life stories. We come together as a family to rejoice and to celebrate. And it's a wonderful time. Baptisms are a wonderful time to sharing what God has done in your life, in their lives. And we come together to rejoice. And in this parable, the family, the friends, the neighbours, they come together and celebrate the lost being found. And baptism itself is just an outward sign of a changed heart, accepting God's grace into our lives. But he also wants us to rejoice to celebrate that grace, that changed life, as we come together as family. So you have these two parables, and the gods uh, looking for the coin can represent those God is looking within our own families, within our own close friends. God doesn't give up on our families, on our friends. As the woman searched the house for the lost coin, so God searches the hearts of our friends. But he also searches the highways and the byways for those that are lost. As the shepherd goes out and looks for the lost sheep. I'd always assumed it was a a half hour walk up the road and there he was sitting by the side of a hedge chewing some grass. But what happens if it took him a long time to find that sheep? What happens if it took him days and days of searching until he found that sheep? He had to go through many trials. What rejoicing there would have been as he found that lost sheep. I guess the question for us is, who are the lost sheep that we're looking for? Will they be the wrong type of people? We had a prayer breakfast yesterday, a men's prayer breakfast, and Graham Piper reminded us that being a Christian, a mission go hand in hand. They come as a package. And as I say, I didn't become a Christian till later on in my life. And if I'm honest, it was definitely the wrong type of person that invited me to church. He'd not been one of my friends, grown up in my friendship group. 
but it has somehow muscled his way into our, into, in, in with my friends. And we came from very different backgrounds. He came from London, was used to a, a culture of knife crime. His own father had been murdered and made the national newspapers. Not the person I would have chosen to spend my time with at first. We had such different life experiences. As I say, he's probably the most unlikely person I'd have ever thought to have become a Christian. But he did. And he was the one that was brave enough to invite me to church. And we'll always be friends forever. The question is, who is God calling us to? Who is the people God is calling us to share his love with? We have no idea, really, how God is moving in someone's heart. I'm trying to hear God's voice and search for his lost sheep through something like life skills. We have lots of opportunity, um, but not so many volunteers. So if you'd like to help out later, maybe you can talk to me. But it's the fact that we, we can't sit still, can we? Part of our calling is to share the love that we have received from God. And it's been quite a struggle to get this moving. And I suddenly realised why it's so important for us to pray for Alpha. We need to pray for those willing to share the good news, to invite one another. And I suddenly realised if we only committed to praying each one of us for a minute a day, it seems not much. But if you added it all up and everybody prayed a minute a day, that would be about three or four hours of day prayer covering over the Alpha course. And perhaps we can do that. If we can't invite anybody, we can pray. Because God is always looking for the lost, wanting the lost to be found. So Jesus reminds the Pharisees that God searches for the insignificant things of life, a sheep and a coin. Did they have a choice whether they were lost or found? Probably not. But God still searches for them. Heaven rejoices when they're found. But perhaps we've lost sight of heaven. Perhaps we think earth is as good as it gets. Perhaps we've forgotten to look forward to the day when we will be rejoicing with the angels, with God in heaven, over another person saved, over another person coming into God's kingdom. And maybe we've come here today, perhaps by chance. Maybe God's been drawing you into his story over the last few weeks or few months. But today, maybe we need to trust him again, alone. Trust him with his love, that it will work deep in our hearts. To have our upside-down world turned the right way up. So we have two parables about a sheep and a coin. But then Jesus ups the stakes. How much more does he love someone made in his own image? How much more does he love someone with his very spirit living within them? So we can read the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Someone who deliberately turns away from God and chooses to live a life 
their own way. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven against and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and rushed to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, You will kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Or put that parable another way. Some years ago, a woman wrote to me and said, when her daughter was 18, she had walked out of their home after a row. She didn't get in touch, and they didn't know whether she was alive or dead. At night, as the mother and the husband turned off the lights before they went to bed, she would always say to him, Leave the porch light on. And every Christmas she would put a little Christmas tree in front of the house, its lights shining just as she used to when her daughter was a child. 
That couple didn't see their daughter for six years. Then one day, out of the blue, she knocked on their door and fell into her mother's arms. She said, Mum, I so often wanted to come home, but I was too ashamed. But sometimes, in the early hours of the morning, I would drive my car into our street and just sit there. I used to gaze at the houses. Every one of them was dark, apart from our house. You always left the light on. And at Christmas, I would do the same, do just the same thing. Just sit there in the darkness and look at the Christmas tree you had put outside. I knew it was for me. And I guess who are we leaving the lights on in our lives for? The reality is, though, God always lets us make our own mistakes, be they the same ones day after day. And God just sits there waiting for us to turn back to him. Just like the parable of the prodigal son, we need to come back to our senses sometimes. Maybe we can't feel God, maybe we don't see or hear God, but that doesn't mean God is there waiting for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, yearning for each one of us to turn back to him. And I guess, I think part of the problem is our pride. We won't seek God's help that's on offer. And I guess sometimes we start to believe the life story spoken over us, that we are the wrong type of people. The son in the parable had everything. He had the big house, the girls, the fast cars. But what happened to him? He ended up feeding the pigs. And he couldn't even eat the food that was offered to them. Like him, we can start to believe the lies that are spoken over us, that we are unlovable. Our eyes can drop to the focus of the mess that we're in rather than who we are in Christ, loved and adored as his special children. And sometimes it's not easy accepting the possibility that we could be loved. The son does not know what reception he will receive when he returns back to his father. And how long did it take him to come to his senses One year, two years, three years. How long did he have to starve before he realised that God's love was always there for him? His father's love was there for him. And I guess what will make us come to our senses to trust more in God's love for us. But for some of us here, we're in that good place, aren't we? We were like the elder son who had enjoyed everything, his father's company, the whole estate, meals and fun times with his father. But yet he didn't realise it. And perhaps sometimes I think we forget to share our testimonies of how God is working wonderfully in our lives so that others may rejoice with us. 
but have we forgotten how to party as Christians, how to really rejoice in God's provision? We've already sung it earlier, in the good times and the difficult times, blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it a problem, as I say, with our pride, our piety that gets in the way? Just like the elder son in the story, have we become the wrong type of person by choice? He doesn't change God's love for us, but we can separate ourselves from it. The younger son, in the eyes of the elder son, was surely now the wrong type of person. How could his father throw a party for his for this wayward child? But he does because he loves him. He puts sandals on his feet, the ring on the finger, and the robe around him because he rejoices because he's still his son. And God rejoices over us because we are still his children. And if we think we've reached the point where we can understand all of God's love for us, the depth of it, we haven't. Or we think we've reached that place, that lowest place, where God doesn't care for us, we haven't. God wants us to keep growing. God wants us to keep drawing closer to him. And maybe today we need to come home to the Father for the first time. Maybe we need to make a decision to be baptised so that we can come together as family and friends and rejoice and party here on earth. Maybe you need to make that commitment to God again. Or as I say, trust God for the very first time so that we can all rejoice that the lost are found. In God's kingdom, there are no wrong kinds of people. There are only those that need God's help. There are only those that need to turn and trust in God's grace more fully. God needs us to turn back to him and realise Christ has prayed the full price, the full entrance price to the greatest party that there's ever going to be, a life with God in eternity. God reminds us that we are forgiven, loved, adopted sons and daughters by the king of the universe. And maybe we should take a moment just to reflect on what God might be saying to us. Maybe you want to um, just sit quietly. Maybe you want to pray for the person next to you that God's blessing would be upon them. Maybe you just want to pray for those that are in your family like the lost coin you would want to see come into God's kingdom. Or maybe you just want to make some declaration in your own heart for the first time. Whether you stand or raise an arm or or whatever you want to do, no one's looking. But maybe we should just spend this quiet time before God, asking God's Holy Spirit to speak to us and respond in a way that's honouring to God.